0: Or when you pray and you cry out to God, when you know you're in need of some great help, it's just kind of wishful thinking. Or maybe you're like this. Maybe you think, well, yeah, I believe in miracles, but you know that took place back in the Bible time. You know, God worked that way then, but now He works a little different ways. Well, if you believe that, why should you get a miracle now? See, we're going to take a trip to the Valley of Ajalon. And in this valley, there were some remarkable miracles that took place. And as we look at these miracles, I hope and I pray uh, that it can help you where you are right now. Okay, so let's go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 10 and this wonderful story, a great story uh, that we're going to read, very inspiring. Let me set the stage though, because it's so important that we just kind of back it up, see the context, what's taking place, and as we dig in and read here in just a moment, starting in verse seven, um, you'll be prepared to, to to hear the the word of Lord as it's proclaimed. So during the conquest, that is the the uh, Joshua taking the promised land. Uh, under his leadership, Israel gained this feared reputation for defeating armies. We know they already uh, dropped Jericho, and after a little stumble at Ai, they ended up taking Ai and some other places. So they, they've got this reputation now where the other armies and other nations are starting to fear them. And in Joshua 10, people, the people of Gibeon didn't want to be at odds with Israel, so they made kind of this peace treaty, okay? Now, However, the problem is five other Amorite kings didn't like this, what Gibeon did. And so they rose up against Gibeon. Now, Gibeon is much smaller, and they start to think, we can't overcome these five kings. They cry out to Israel, please come help. Like this little brother asking for big brother help, saying, come, help us. We need some help. And so this is what happened next in the valley Evangelon starting in verse 7. Let this come alive today, please, because it's so powerful. Okay. So Joshua, verse 7, went up from Gigal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, now here's the Lord speaking to this great leader: do not fear them. He says, For I, this is the Lord, have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Now notice, before we go any further, God gave a promise. The promise, for I have given them into your hands. That's, they're not in their hands currently. This is a promise. It's going to happen. So God gave them a promise that is before the miracle. And he wants us to he wants us to trust him before anything takes place. This is always important. When you're needing a miracle, God's looking for your trust. He's looking for you to put your faith in him. Okay, so verse 9. So Joshua came up, uh, came upon them suddenly. Watch this, having marched up all night from Gilgal. And and so also what you want to see before uh, before you get a miracle, God often has you go through darkness. You understand what I'm saying? When we see they walk through the night. He has you go through the darkness sometimes first. And by the way, this, this journey that they had to, to, to get there was about 20 miles of steep terrain. So it was a very challenging uh, journey in the dark, in this steep terrain. And then, uh, and then the miracle came after all this. So he gives a promise. There has to be a little fight through the darkness. okay? And then we see verse 10. And the Lord threw them into panic. Before Israel, that is all these Amorite kings and their armies. He threw them into panic. And I hope you caught that it was the Lord who threw them into confusion. The Lord was part of this. Big part of this, as we'll see. But then, watch this. Israel had a part too. So, he threw them into panic before Israel. Who, that is Israel... They struck them with a great blow at Gibeon. And that is Israel, watch this, chased them by the way of the ascent of beth Horon, And struck them as far as Azekah and uh, Makeda. And, verse 11, as they fled before Israel while they were going down the ascent of beth Horon, The Lord, once again, God's involved. The Lord threw down large, large stones. This is hail from heaven. On them as far as uh, Azekah, and they died. Now watch this, and more, and, and there were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. So we see God had a much bigger part in this, right? He's the one that really did the big damage. He put he put the big blow on them. Now, verse twelve. At that. Time, Joshua, here's Joshua, now with this great relationship with the Lord. I mean, they're really tight. And and, and Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said, This is this is Joshua speaking in the sight of Israel, as we see right here. He says, Son, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ashlon. And the sun stood still. And the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? So in confidence, and because of this tight relationship that Joshua has with the Lord, Joshua spoke to the Lord, really instructing, sun, stand still, moon, stand still. And then get this, the sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. Now that's some special type of favor, don't you think? Pretty incredible. And then we see this in verse 14. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded, or that is, listened to the voice of man. For the Lord fought for Israel. The Lord fought for Israel. And so Joshua returned, and all Israel with him to the camp of Gilgal. I want to show you a little famous picture up here on the, on the screen. This picture is from the um, National Art Gallery in D.C. We were just there several months ago, Kathy and I. And I had to take a picture of it. I know you can't see it real great because this just my picture there. Um, but it is this story depicted by John Martin in 1816. So he drew the picture. And I remember standing there for several minutes just... Mesmerized as I thought back on this story here in John or Joshua chapter ten, how incredible it must have been for Joshua to cry out to the Lord, saying, "Sun, stand still; moon, stand still," and God heeded his voice. And then the armies overtaken all those five Amorite kings. As I just watched and just stood there before this picture, I thought, "Wow, how amazing that would have been if you could have been one of these." men or women, as they're watching the sun not set for an entire day. What a beautiful, beautiful thing it shows. It's amazing. What amazing miracle this had to been. We had to agree, this is a miracle. There's no other way to explain what has happened. And so the question is, how did it take place? Why did it take place? Well, here's what I want to do. It's interesting for me as I think through this. To see how miracles really involve a mysterious meshing between human effort. If you see in this story, if you recall, they marched in darkness. They went through this steep terrain to get there. There was a battle that took place. They had to literally draw their swords. As we see, Joshua instructed the Lord in this moment when he cried for the sun to stand still. All these things. There was human effort involved. Okay? We understand that, but there's also, again, this meshing going on of godly intervention. It was God that threw them into confusion, that is, these five Amorite kings. It was the hailstorm that killed more than anything. It was the sun. God's the one that made the sun stand still, not Joshua. And so God obviously did all the heavy lifting. More died there because of the hailstone, but mankind was not stagnant. They supplied a very valiant effort. And so I think that might be the secret to experiencing miracles in our midst. See, God can do wonders. Pretty much, He can do it on His own. He doesn't need our help. God can do some amazing things on His own. But He often wants our involvement. He wants us to be a part of these great experiences. And so The question I have is, what is our role in lining up things for a potential miracle? What are we supposed to do? What can we control in this matter? Because while God is the key power, He is the one that should be doing everything and can do everything, Israel had a task. They had a part in God's wonder being displayed. Okay? And so with that, here's what I want to do. I'm going to show you a couple things. We're going to look at two human responsibilities for receiving a miracle. Okay, two human responsibilities. Now, let me add this. These are not guarantees, okay? Uh, This is not some sort of just perfect formula. You do this and bam, you automatically get whatever you're asking. That's not the way God functions, okay? God is God. I am not. But... I, I I believe that as we walk through what we saw in Joshua chapter ten right here, this certainly can increase the possibility of a miracle uh, in your life and so here are two human responsibilities for receiving a miracle. The first one is this you've got to take proper action and I should add in, in uh, with this in faith in parentheses there so take proper action that is in faith see though man's Active responsibility seems minor compared to God's role. Let's keep that clear. He often requires some sort of act in faith on our part. We see in this passage in Joshua chapter 10 that it was this Joshua and his army, they went through the darkness. They, they still had to fight the battle, and so they had a part. That was faith in action. When God said... Listen, I'm going to give them into your hand. They could have said, whoa, whoa, whoa no, 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 no. We're, we're going to stay back. Why don't you do that and we'll just kind of stand here and twiddle our thumbs. That's how we would like God to work often. We don't want to lift a finger. We just want God to solve all of our problems and not have any faith involved. But God wants us to exhibit faith before he moves. And so let me give you some other examples, though. Because you may be thinking, well, that's just Joshua chapter 10. Let's think about Moses. Everybody understands and you know the great Red Sea parting, the the Red Sea experience. And the Egyptians were chasing after uh, the Hebrew just freed slaves at this time. And they were breathing down their neck. and, And there was a great sea in front of them. There was no way to escape unless there was a divine intervention. But if you recall what took place there, Moses didn't do much, but he did do something. In faith, it was Moses who raised His staff stretched out his arms. He said, no, God, I'm not doing this. It sounds silly. You could do it on your own. I don't need to raise my... No, in faith, he believed, okay, God, you can do this. And he raised his arms and stretched out his staff. And at that part, God did the rest. But even with that small act of faith, it was after that that God performed the miracle. Oh, you want another example, Okay. How about the healing of the blind man in John chapter 9? You remember Jesus spit on the ground and he made kind of this mud mixture with this spit. Okay, we don't get into that, it's kind of weird, but anyway, he did that. Okay, he put it on, he spit on the ground, he rubbed it, and he rubbed it all over the guy's eyes, if you remember. And he told him this. Wasn't healed yet? He said, Go wash in the pool. It was after he washed in the pool, that is when he went in faith, he went home seeing that day but it took an act of faith. God did the heavy lifting, but he still called him to do something. Another story, the the healing of the paralytic man. If you remember, Jesus healed this man. He also, in that story, he says, uh, pick up your mat and walk. Of course, Jesus did the healing, but the faith step was that he picked up his mat. Seemed very simple. He didn't necessarily always call us to do the the big heavy lifting stuff. He just asks us, do you believe me? I think of Lazarus. And that story when they went out to the the tomb and and Jesus said, roll away the stone. It's going to stink in there. You can't do it. He said, roll away the stone. They had to act of faith. Now they could have said, we're not rolling away that stone. But in faith, they went over and they rolled the stone away. Here comes Lazarus. You see, those are just a few examples. But as you can see, though as minor as they may seem, God often calls us to exhibit faith in action in order to experience a miracle. That's what he did with Joshua. And that's what he requires of you often. And so that's the first human responsibility we have for receiving a, a, a miracle, okay? Is take proper action that is in faith. And then there's a second component is that we have to have the proper attitude also. See, it's not just about action. It's about the attitude. It's about God cares about what you're thinking. He cares about your heart. He cares about your attitude, your motives. And so so a, a proper attitude starts with really this main question. And so if you're desiring a miracle today, and you look at your situation and say, I need some breakthrough, God. Here's my question for you. What's your motive for the miracle Mm. why do you want the miracle this is so important for us because miracles are never meant to be ends in themselves just perform a miracle because of a miracle that's not it See, they are signs that are pointing to God's greatness. They're pointing to His His beauty. They're pointing to His rule. His desire for people to turn their faith and surrender to Him. They're designed for moving people into belief in Jesus. And so if you're praying for a miracle, for selfish gain. Because you want out of some situation. Or you need something For yourself. If that's what you're doing, you're misled. So here's the question If God were to bless you with a miracle, would you direct people to His greatness? Would you use it as a platform to say, My God is real? And He desires your heart. He wants you to put your faith in Him. This is a sign. God is so good. He's got bigger things than even this that he's done in the past and he will continue to do. But will you put your faith in him? So do you think of a miracle like that? Or is the miracle that you're requesting just for you? Is that all it's for? In fact, I would ask you this. Do you have a plan in place if God actually gives you that miracle do you have a plan in place to do just that? To give Him glory? To point people to Him? Because miracles are meant to showcase God in His glory. That's what they're about. And maybe that's why we don't see very many of them. Because we're only thinking about ourselves and not what the big picture is all about. Okay, so... Your responsibility in receiving a miracle. First, take proper action in faith. As small as it may be and insignificant in as you may think it might be, you take that proper action in faith. And then also have that proper attitude that this miracle, God, if you give it, it's going to be pointed back to you. It's for your glory and for your sake. See, now that in light of having a proper uh, faith action and a proper attitude, are you in a season of life right now? Or you need a miracle. Is your health failing? Struggling? Uh, You've gotten some bad news here recently for you or a loved one. About their health. Maybe it's terminal. uh, Maybe it's difficult uh, pain wise. Have you received some sort of difficult news about health? Is your marriage on the rocks? Are you constantly at one another? Is there an impasse? Are you struggling to even look at each other? Are you at the point where you feel like it's about to fall apart and you need a miracle? Have you lost contact with the relative? Oh, there's been some sin in the past, and so it's severed your relationship and Outside of a miracle, you're not sure how you're going to come back together. Are you financially bankrupt because of maybe some poor decisions or some just trials that you're facing that were outside of your control? But you find yourself in a financial predicament. Are you emotionally drained because of some sort of situation that has been uh, building up over the last couple of months or maybe even years and you're just emotionally drained? Are you in need of a miracle today? If that's you, I would suggest two things inspired right here by this story, this event in Joshua chapter 10. Here's what I would say. If you need a miracle, number one, determine what you can do in faith to give maximum effort. If you need a miracle, say, what can I do in faith, Lord, to give maximum? Do everything in your power to go to battle. Act as if everything depends upon you at this point. Even though you know God is in control, even though you are dependent upon him, you've got to do everything in your power. Determine, what can I give in faith to give maximum effort? And by the way, part of your action, this, this in-faith Effort is always, always, always intense, set aside, intentional prayer. I'm not talking about just asking people to pray for you, which is a great thing. We talk much about prayer more than we actually pray. I'm talking about you on your knees, on your face, uh, written out if you have to, praying with intensity and belief that God can break through. That's part of your effort right there. Belief. And so determine what you can do in faith to give maximum effort. And number two, decide. If you need a miracle, decide a plan to give God glory through the miracle. Instead of only thinking what this miracle can do for you, think of how this could glorify God. Think of how this could, to, could, could enhance and expand his kingdom here on earth. See, this attitude also shows that you have confidence in God when you say this. You're believing in him, not yourself, but you believe in him. And so determine what you can do in faith to give maximum effort and decide a plan. God, this is how I, I want to give you glory because I know this is more about you than anything else. That's the plan. So if you find yourself in a situation, I need a miracle. I hope you put this in into practice. Now realize... Miracles are mysterious. We can't know God's ways. I don't know them. I'm not God. I'm not up here trying to claim that I know exactly what God wants and how he will work things out. So I can't say that if you line this up perfectly, it's going to work out exactly how you want. But as we gain that proper perspective and do our part, God may just come and wow us with something that can only be explained by him. But here's the deal. If, if, it all, if all else fails and, and you give maximum effort and you have a plan to glorify Him and you don't get the miracle that you want, if that happens, hear me closely, don't overlook the greatest miracle. And it's that, that God has redeemed your soul, that you are a new creation Your your belief in the miracle of the resurrection has changed you and has given you eternal life. And that's enough to get you through any challenge that you may face. And so never lose sight of the miracle of salvation. It's the best gift that you can receive. I hope he plants a miracle in your life. But if he doesn't, in the way that you would hope or expect or call out, You've already received the greatest miracle. That's salvation. That being said, are you in a season of life when you need a miracle? It starts with a B word. Believe. Starts with believing that God is the same God who brought miracles to Joshua. And he can do it again today. This is not just some ways that God always... He just worked that way then. It's not the way... I don't believe that about God. God. God calls us. He's the same God today. But understand that the miracles may come in a little different way to us. It could be a person in your life and the right moment to give you that word of advice or to help you come along in a situation that you may be in. It, the, the miracle may come in a different way, a, a provision granted When it was needed, kind of like the story I shared earlier. When we were in a financial need, and after we pray a few minutes later, there it is. It was an amazing thing that took place. It could be, your miracle could be the work of a counselor to help mend some sort of relationship that you're in that needs some help. So there's a lot of different ways that God can work miracles in our lives. And so don't misinterpret. The simple blessings in life is just kind of coincidences. God is working things out right now. And so be alert because God, because you may receive a miracle in a very simple way. And you can turn around and give Him glory. Or better yet, you might be the miracle needed in someone else's life. So keep your eyes open. Look around. Where are the needs? Where can you reach out and help somebody? Keep your heart turned to God. As you do, you might be able to be the miracle in somebody else's life. God can use you. I want you to bow your heads with me as we wrap up. Simple question, as I've said the whole time Are you in need of a miracle? Or somebody that is close to you in need of a miracle? Is it for your kids? Is it for your marriage? Is it in need of a miracle? Are you in need of a financial miracle? Are you uh, some sort of relational miracle, emotional, health miracle? If you need a miracle, here's what I'm asking you. With your head bowed, pray this to the Lord right now. Don't just let me talk. You pray. You talk to the Lord right now. This is a ministry time between you and the Lord. Ask, your, uh, pray out, or ask yourself, am I giving maximal, maximum effort, Lord? Is there a place that you want me to raise my hands like a staff or go wash in the pool or pick up my mat or roll away the stone what's your simple faith action ask the Lord what do you want me to do how do you need to go to battle and not just pout about the situation and also ask you know, do I have the right attitude Say, Lord, this is for your glory. It's not for me. It's for you. Listen, as you go through this and you pray in that manner and you process and you take that plan of action, I can't say it's going to come exactly as you want, but at least you're lined up with the Lord. And if the miracle comes, boy, you can turn around and say, God, thank you. And even if it doesn't, you have reason to be thankful today because of salvation. And I hope you'll remember that. In just a moment, we'll stand and sing about the Lord doing it again for us. He's moved mountains. He's done great things. He can do it again. Are we ready for it? If you're going to need some prayer here in just a moment, our prayer tables are open. Prayer partners are there if you'd like to talk about salvation, giving your life to Christ. If you'd like to just have somebody pray over you at this moment. Maybe that's your faith action today. I feel a little uncomfortable moving out of this pew. But Lord, if you're calling me to go get prayer, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We have prayer tables open. Please look for a prayer partner and they'll help you. They'll pray over you. Let me pray over you first. Father, what a great day it is. As we read your word and we open it up, we see the goodness that you have in store for us. As we see these stories come to life in our own lives. I pray for every individual that needs a miracle in here today. That we trust you. That we would give maximum effort. We would go to battle for you. And we already have in our mind a plan to give you glory for the way you respond. God, that's our passion, that's our heart because we want to follow you. And now, Lord, in this moment, I pray for every miracle it would be received with thankfulness and excitement. And if you don't answer the way we exactly ask, we know that you've given us the miracle of salvation and for that we can rejoice. Thank you, Lord, for that. But now, move mountains, God. That's what we're praying for. Move mountains in our midst. We want to see your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand.